going to focus on interviewing everybody's favorite subject. People love doing it, but we're going to dive a little bit deep into the questions and thought process behind common, mostly open-ended questions. We're here with Rylan O'Connor, who's going to keep the ball rolling. Rylan, why don't you kind of keep kicking us off and we'll get right into the subject. Thanks, John. So you wrote an article for Forbes titled, Peering Beyond the Interview Veil, Decoding the Messages Behind Common Interview Questions. What were you trying to do with this article? I think write and make sure that the longest title of an article could be published in Forbes. I think that was number one. But it's just that people come in and go, well, how do I answer? Tell me about yourself. Tell me about yourself. Or describe a situation in which you had to handle a difficult person and what did you do? What do I need to do to answer those questions? And, and of course we practice their original answer, but a lot of times I'm saying, you know that when they're asking you that question, there's, there's a question and there's in a way ulterior motives beyond it that you need to be thinking about. So having a good answer to that is one aspect, but also going, hey, What's the question behind those questions? So I think that before we got on the show, you wrote down some, I think, some common questions that we could start off with. Let me try to break some of those down, and then we'll have a good quick session here in this episode and maybe get people not messing with their mind going, I'm going to go into an interview, I'm going to have 100 different thoughts, but start to break down the kind of questions you're going to get and decode them a little bit so that you know the motives behind it and you can better answer them. All right, set me off. I don't think you've given me these before the show, so tell me what you got. Let me ask you, what is your greatest weakness? All right, so that's a good one. What's your greatest weakness or what's your greatest strength? I mean, I don't want to give away an answer that we've used with other clients before or they've practiced because I think in all, all your answers, you should, Rylan, ask yourself, all right, what's the best answer that I could give for that? But what's your greatest weakness? Are they really asking what's your greatest weakness? And, and let me even go further. Are you really going to tell them my greatest weakness, like your really deep, dark, down greatest weakness? I have an inability to work with people who are very high pressured. Let me give you an example of that. My last boss, okay, you're probably not going to get the interview or I mean the job if you interview that way. So they're really, they, you're not going to tell them the ultimate deepest, darkest truth there. So, and they know that. So they know they're, they're going to give you, breaking this down, they're going to give you kind of a scripted answer. Like tell me, you know, they're going to want you to go into a lot more detail, but they want you to come up with an answer that is is acceptable. It's going to tell them how you will act on the job, and so you want to choose those those answers carefully. So it's not they really need to know truth serum, how you will answer that, but they need to know how you might deal with someone, and is that the way you're going to deal with someone on the job? Ask me that question again, and then let's do a little scenario where I answer it, and then we break down my answer, whether it's good, bad, and different. Go ahead. John, what is your greatest weakness? I think my, perhaps my greatest weakness as I see it is not completing an MBA that I started several years ago. And, and I feel like I, I need to be hard on myself because at that time I really had the time to do it and I got very caught up in my last role with this company working you know, 50, 60 hours a week, COVID hit, 
there were chances that I could have gone online to do that. And I, you know, not finishing that, I think, is something that, you know, I've finished a lot of things in my life, but I think that's something that I, that having a chance to do it again in these, the next two years, I'm going to finish. But, but I really have to fault myself that that's, that's something that I, I could have done, perhaps I should have done, and I think I let a couple of things get in the way, even though I was working a lot of hours, that I probably shouldn't have gotten in the way. Interesting. And what I'm hearing when you answer this question is that you're not quite saying, you're saying that your weakness is not finishing your MBA, but then you go on to say, you give reasons for not finishing. You go on to say you're working 50, 60 hours a week. That tells me you're a hard worker. You go on to say that... Uh, well, right. So what I'm trying to indicate, and that's that may not be the perfect answer. Every, for our clients, we practice original answers. I'm, we're just given one for this. But that's a good point that you made because you're reading in some of the things that I intended to get in there, which are, hey, I, I'm, I'm not telling you to give me credit for working all those hours, and I'm not asking to that for that to be an excuse, but I am telling you, here are the things that got in the way, but mentally, I let them get in the way. So I'm intentionally being hard on myself, and I think that's a good way to answer it. Tell me, you know, what's your greatest weakness? Because, you know, a weakness, it, well, and they might follow it up with, well, then are there other things you haven't finished? And say, you know, at times there have been, but, but in terms of work, no, that's always been a priority. In terms of finishing uh, like a garage upfit that I was supposed to do at home, yes. So I, it just... I think at that time was a not as high a priority, but now I look back, that's one of the top requirements for this position. I should have finished off the MBA and it wouldn't be an objection in this interview. So sometimes leaning into something you already know is going to be an objection for them. Like if they say MBA preferred, say, hey, I should have got my MBA. I should have knocked that out three years ago. I shouldn't have made COVID an excuse. I mean, essentially that's what I said. I mean, I made it sound maybe a little bit better. I think you perfectly picked up, though, on the sub-messages. So in an interview, in any question, it's your chance. It's like to put in some public relations, you know? Like, I'm going to get in my, quote, excuses, but they're not going to sound like excuses. They're going to sound like reasons I should, I should have finished. So I think ultimately in that kind of an answer, being intentionally hard on yourself for something that the person listening to you would weigh and go, well, that's not that bad, is better than saying something like, you know, I just have a problem with micromanaging bosses. I mean, or saying something around that. Because you don't want to throw yourself under a bus, even if you had a problem with a terrible micromanaging manager and you didn't know how to handle it and you didn't know how to bring that up to HR. That's not a good answer. <laughs> I can say that. All right. Very good. I'm glad you picked up on that. Let's keep rolling. Do you have another question you want to ask me to, to play it out? Yeah, absolutely. That was a great answer. So let's move on to something a little bit more personal. Um, how do you deal with conflict in a, in a coworker? Ah, very intense projects like we've been on over the last year. 100 to 200 people that we're handling outplacement for and we're having going with multiple people and we're working together to try and solve problems for a company that's laying off. That situation sometimes on occasion has brought up where there have been arguments about how and when we're to go somewhere, do something, because 
in the past because of COVID. Who shows up? Should we be masked? Should we all wear the same look and dress alike? Do we need to dress formally, informally? Some of these like situations just cause stress. So you're going to have to handle conflict. But in general, the way we handled it last, you know, in the last six months, in that that specific type of situation is that we went in prior to going in, no matter how busy and crazy we were, we're going to say, let's take 10 minutes to just game plan amongst ourselves before we get caught up in the you know, all the people, all the needs, all the demands, all the things that are going to go on. And we just had what I would call a huddle. And, and so to prevent conflict, that prevented, I'd say, 90% of the issues. We said, look, let's stick together on this. If there's any question, you text me, you, e- you not email, you call me, and I'll try and get you an answer right there. I'll be the point person today. So we assigned a point person every day. But to handle conflict, I think you've got to set aside time to actually talk. I think texting and emailing, even though they're good forms for communication, you have to have a human conversation and if you can't have a decent conversation with someone in, in some kind of a calm place where there isn't just complete chaos going on, that's, to me, the best way to handle conflict in the moment and also to prevent conflict to have these huddles. So that's what I would say. I've got a few more examples. So, all right, should I break that down a little bit? Or do you want to tell me how your perception of the answer? I mean, do you feel like that was a pretty good answer or or where would you take fault if you're the interviewer? So the biggest thing I I hear when you answer that question is that you're somebody who, when, when presented under pressure, can get together and figure out how to deal with an issue and, and how to, and how to deal with it personally and, and not so much over email or text message, but more so voice to voice, face to face. So that's that's the what I wanted to impart when I was answering that. We were kind of live, little live role playing here, and I, of course, in an interview, we can break that down. We can critique, you know, how I did or didn't. But I think you're picking up again on on the main gist of what I was trying to communicate in that answer. I think, the, but the question behind it really is, from my point of view, when an interviewer like you is asking that question, is all right. How are they? We're going to have conflict on this job. How are you going to handle it when you get in a tough situation? And by the way, I'm putting pressure on you because I'm asking you how you handle conflict. Like, do you have a methodology? Do you think this through? Have you ever? And also, I'm bringing up an example where we had to handle this big outplacement. I'm talking about, hey, naturally, conflicts are going to occur. I tried to be funny at first. Okay, you can only get away with that in a real short period of time, like if, you, if you're confident, but get right to the point. Like, look, if you don't have a huddle and you don't have conversations and you don't have like human communication and you're trying to like order people around or discipline them via text, which I've seen managers do, you've seen that even like in your jobs, haven't you? Yeah, I've had to be that person. <laughs> It doesn't work as well usually, does it? No. And if you can, not. if you can sit down in calm space and with a, not a lot of people around and just have a, just give people feedback and and allow them to try and change or you to fix something you need to do. Because I've seen you at work in, in here and in other places. If someone says, "Hey, I, I, this would help me better if you gave me this input as my manager," because you've served in that capacity, it seems like most people take that a lot better. So I wanted to impart, if I'm the interviewee, how I might handle that. Because I really think what they want to hear is, you're going to have crisis at this job. Are you going to, like, 
is there any indication that you don't handle yourself well under pressure? So the, the question adds that to you, but also, are you a depressurization person and do you have a methodology to fix things? So that's, that's what I think they want to hear, regardless of the examples that you give. All right, do you want to ask another question? Live role play? You're, th you're throwing me curveballs. I like it. Yeah, sometimes in an interview, it can feel like a question is being asked, but they're not quite looking for a direct answer to that question. Of course, that's what we've been going on the whole podcast. So what happens when an interviewer asks you a question like, what's something you disliked about your last job? That can feel like a slippery <laughs> slope, like a, a trap almost. Well, instead of me doing the, doing the sample answer, let's just break that one down because, all right, hate to do it to you, but what do you think's going on behind that question? And then let me just bounce off of you a little bit, because you know as well as I do, there's an ulterior motive here. Right, yeah. When, when I get asked this question, it sounds like they're looking for me to answer and, and potentially say something that could be a red flag to their company. Say something that their company may do that I disliked about the last company, and then if I bring that up about the last company, they know that I'm not the right fit here. So what is something that I can always say or, or fall back on that, that's a good answer to this question <laughs> that shows that I'm passionate about working for this company and not so much I left my last company because I hated it. Well, I, here's something, that's that's excellent way to break that down, all right? And uh, you, part of my answer would be just the way you handle it, so good job there. So what's something you dislike about your last job? I mean, first of all, I've known some people that say, well, there wasn't really very much I disliked. I mean, they almost try to evade the question. I don't think you do that. I mean, there's, I don't care what job you have, even if you quote, I love my job or loved my job, you could say, you know, I didn't love it that, I mean, let's just, here's a sample answer. I didn't, if you want to be direct to them, which I think is a really good way to be is say, I didn't love it when in my last position we were asked with 24-hour notice to get on a bus together, masked, go 100 miles and have to work at, in a plant atmosphere without any notice. Now, in my contract, we're supposed to be flexible and do that. But that happened three or four times, and what I found out later was management knew that two days before we knew that. But they called it down from uh, Detroit, Michigan, and said, you know, we've got this planned out. We're sorry. We know this is last minute, but we're expecting you to be ready, to have your team ready to be on that bus to go. Like, they just didn't give us enough warning because what we could have done is got like personal affairs in order a little bit. We, they could have, I mean, there's just so many things you can do. We, we, I think they were afraid that people would make an excuse and, and not, you know, say they could do it and say they were sick. I think you've got to take that risk and you've got to over communicate and give people that option. If that's the way people respond to pressure, give them two or three days. So I didn't love that about my job. And I think if in this role, there are last minute emergency situations. I'm not afraid to do it. By the way, I did it. I went there. Our team performed well. I wouldn't say that I didn't field a lot of complaints. 
All right, so break down my answer. How did you think that was? And let's talk about that ulterior motive because you were right, it is. I would say the biggest thing about your answer is that you demonstrated an understanding of how the chain of command worked. You demonstrated an understanding that sometimes management knows two days before the employee. What's the, what is management's responsibility then in that role? Are they supposed to hold on to that information? You show that you understand that there is something deeper than you hearing you got to get on a bus 24 hours. You, you know that there is an order of operations and you understand how a company works. Exactly. So that's so I want to indicate that I have I understood it. I don't want to say that I responded in the way some people did which was very angrily that that we 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 did it, but I didn't like that. And I don't think that's an incriminating thing to say about your last job, but I think you're right when you said they're looking for you to kind of trip up, complain about something you could have done something about. Now, I think it also implies, and if I had time and we went on with this answer, if we were actually in a real interview, I would want to say, hey, all I believe in this job is that I'm the kind of manager, if you're hiring me, I'm probably going to want to over-communicate. And that could be good. I think you have to deal with the results. And if they're a very rigid company that wants to do things like that and they don't hire me, I need to be good with that. All right, are we, I know we're winding down. Do you have one more answer that we can kind of break down and wrestle around with to talk about some of the behind the motives type stuff that we've been dealing with today? John, I love your enthusiasm, but I think I've got everything I want from you and you're hired. Hey, that's what I want to hear. All right, but we can we can do that. Um, is there? Do you think there's uh, one question in your peer group, or that you've asked someone in hiring, even in summer jobs and, and at school, that that you hear that maybe people at your level, your age, completely don't want to hear in an interview? One thing I'm wondering, John, is and that's our bonus today. Uh, one thing I'm, I'm I'm wondering, John, is. As, as a young, in my peer group, as a young, early 20s, out of college, ready to enter the working world, what are interviewers thinking about us? What do they believe about, about us? Are they trying to manipulate us? Are they trying <laughs> to get us on with what, what's going through an interviewer's head that would be good for a brand new interviewee, fresh out of college, ready to begin their career, uh, that it would be good for us to know? Well, good question. That's 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 put me even further on the spot, and I and I'm going to take that I'm going to take that challenge right now and say that don't just practice like sample questions off the internet. Really try to get down and be true to your stories that you have that only you can tell, and have those stories illustrate some of the answers you might have. So if you had to deal with a difficult person, maybe you talk about, say, yeah, I actually had to do that. I had to discipline someone that came to work as a lifeguard who had smoked marijuana. And one of the hardest things for me to do is recognize that and say, you can't operate like this. I'm going to follow basically protocol and send you home. I think you even had a story like that. If you, you know, not any, I don't know, name and names, but I mean, you, you know, at all levels, you, I think you've had to make tough choices and tough calls and be, you know, make decisions. If you can impart some of those stories at an interview and you get good at telling your stories, you don't have to have 
a monumental internship or be someone who interned at Goldman Sachs in New York to have really cool stories. So look for those, look for those challenges, get okay with talking about those stories, let those stories illustrate your answers, look for companies where you can be real, but you're also aware when they're asking you a direct question, especially an open-ended question, there are ulterior motives. They wanna know how you think, how you'll act, how you'll act with them, what you're gonna do on the job. So be aware of that as you're telling these stories. Don't just tell them sight unseen. Be, don't overthink it, but know that there's an agenda behind the scenes. And this is true of from college to, I think, executive. It's always that way. Thank you, Ryland. Appreciate you hosting and, and, and pushing me to get the good stuff. Thank you, John.